We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How to find value in fantasy drafts. That's what we're talking about this week on Stealing Bananas. I'm Ben Gretsch. You can find me on Twitter at Yards Per Gretsch. You can find my Substack at bengretsch.substack.com. With me, as always, is Sean Siegel. You can find all of his work over at Rotoviz. And we have a fantastic guest today, ESPN's own Mike Clay. Mike does all the projections at ESPN. He does sports betting, DFS, everything you could imagine over at ESPN. Uh, if you follow him on Twitter, which you absolutely should, you have certainly seen his projections that he likes to share on Twitter, which are are just a fantastically thorough projection process. I'm always a big fan of, of seeing those. Mike, how are you doing today? Hey, guys. Uh, doing great. Doing great. Uh, you know, busy right now. Uh, kind of, you know, that final that final rush, that final crunch before the season kicks off. So uh, just setting up shop here and get ready for week one. You know, it's it's crazy. The busy the offseason is so busy now that it just, you know, you fly through all this stuff and before you know it, it's here. So uh, it's about that time. Yeah, I mean, August always just like it, it's it, in some ways it feels slow in June and, and even into July. And then August hits and you're like, wow, now we're already at the end of August. Like, I feel like August just hit yesterday. <laughs> Mike, I, I want to start ask, uh, asking about those projections. You're, you're really well known for your projections and you do these. I mentioned very thorough. You do not just offensive, but very, very thorough defensive rankings. You look at the schedule and, and sort of project out p- potential win losses for every team. Tons of elements that go into your projections. How do you then turn that into rankings for fantasy football? Yeah, so, I mean, I don't think the answer is going to uh, shock anyone, right? It's kind of kind of common logic, right? So I, I start with the projections, of course, uh, right after, you know, honestly, during the playoffs from the previous season. You know, I'm starting already that process for the teams that are eliminated, making the move over to the following season. And then it takes a while as I crunch through everything and adjust for league trends, team trends, coaching changes, scheme changes, um, all that thing. And all those things on the league, team, coach, player level. Uh, And then once I'm done that whole process and I feel comfortable with that first run of projections, I, uh, you know, basically hit refresh and then the projections populate and then I, I look from there. So actually... That's partially a lie because we do release like uh, and way too early rankings toward the end of the regular season each year for the following year. So I kind of have a, a ballpark where I think guys will be. Um, but once those first batch of projections come in, I, I look at them. I see the order everyone's in with replacement la- level added back in for 
you know, guys that may miss more time or have higher injury risks. Um, and then I kind of sort through them one by one. You know, does this make sense? You know, Mahomes one, Allen two, Kyler three. You know, if someone stands out, like let's say I, I do that and I see two a fifth, you know, I might say, okay, well, that's interesting. Let's dive into that, you know, and I'll I'll see if it makes sense or not. And then if it does, then I find myself with a, a guy like I, I'm probably going to like as a breakout player. Uh, or maybe I need to make a tweak somewhere along the line. And that those tweaks get made year round. You know, I'm still making them. You know, there's always research I'm doing, things I'm coming across, news, injuries, you, you know, things we've seen in the preseason, whatever it may be. Uh, it's a constant evolving process pretty much year round. So I'm constantly tweaking projections and in turn the rankings. And um, and again, they're they're gonna align pretty well, but you know, you're at some point you're baking in upside and and risk and and those kind of things and um, you know, obviously there's a, there's a point in your draft that you get to where, um, just saying, okay, this is a starting caliber player, a uh, high floor player, maybe is not enough, right? You, you have your starters filled out. Maybe you're aiming for, for more of a higher ceiling or a lottery ticket or a breakout player at some point. So, you know, as I get deeper into my rankings at each position, I start to adjust for that a little bit more. And then a guy could be, you know, he could be projected 120th at wide receiver, but maybe I rank him. 80th or 70th because look if this guy gets an injury above him or gets named a starter you know they could just flourish and have a, a huge uh huge end fantasy production so again nothing crazy but you know that's essentially the process mike you and i have done a ton of drafts together obviously against each other uh, and you consistently end up with one of the best post-draft scores in terms of your roster relative to ADP, sort of what you paid for the players you got. That's one of the reasons why, in addition to, obviously, your projections and, and how good those are, one of the reasons we wanted to have you on this value episode, kind of to go through this idea of, of how you do that and how much of sort of a goal that is when you're going into a draft. So uh, kind of start us off with that process. Do you find that your rankings are fairly close to ADP? And so then that creates incentive to take these ADP values that fall? Or is it kind of a, a meld of things where maybe when you see these ADP values crop up in drafts, then you're thinking, okay, well, I can diversify from maybe my core guys by taking these values and then getting back to your rankings when there's not a value there. Yeah, so I guess the first question is which ADP, right? Because uh, it varies, as we know. Um, you know, for example, ESPN, I'm, my rankings are the order the players are in in the draft room. So my rankings in ESPN's ADP tends to align because, there's you know, a lot, you know, there's people that hop in, draft a player or two, and then disappear from the draft and in, in the mocks and such and in the league. So um, you'll notice that they kind of kind of lean that direction. But um, I do look at other ADPs. I keep that in mind. It's something that's on my draft board. It's something that I see as I'm ranking players um, for better or worse. Um, I don't, I'm not too worried about it when I'm ranking players. I, I don't really care much about it. You know, if I see something that's way off, maybe I'm like, okay, what am I not seeing that other people are? Uh, and again, maybe I'll, I'll do some research, make a tweak uh, a little bit, or maybe I won't. Um, if, if I, if I disagree with it, an example of that might be Michael Carter, you know, who I think was disgustingly overdrafted all off season long. I never understood it. Um, and so I, I didn't care. I just had him buried in my rankings and I'll never draft him and everyone else can. Now we'll see what happens now with the, the latest preseason usage and stuff, whatever. We'll, we'll find out over time who is right or wrong on that. But for, you know, that's just an example of a player that I wasn't going to adjust on. Um, 
But, uh, you know, when I'm drafting, you know, the key becomes, okay, so we're in the sixth round. Maybe I value LaVisca Chenault as the sixth rounder, but I know that he doesn't go till the eighth round. So, uh, and maybe I have a guy two spots below him that, that generally goes in the sixth round. So, uh, my think my thinking could be there. Okay, my plan here is probably to get a couple of wide receivers. I'll take the guy that's going in the sixth first, and then hopefully Chenault makes it back to me in the seventh, and then you know I get two values out of it. So yes, I'm considering ADP at all times. Um, I don't again, I'm not ranking based on ADP, but it's something that I think it's very valuable to know. You know that ballpark of where guys are going, so that you don't force yourself to reach. Because I see, man, I see. Sometimes you could tell people that don't have a good feel for ADP because they're reaching by five rounds on guys. It just doesn't make sense. You don't need to take them that early. So I just think it's a good resource to help to help you maximize your team. So that's a really interesting concept. And I, I think when when you have a player sort of ranked pretty far ahead of ADP, you're, you're talking about trying to still get a good price on that player, which makes a ton of sense. Does it come like in in your mind? Does it come across in in some ways as sort of you're you're finding ways to naturally diversify as you're drafting a lot of different teams? Because like if you were following your rankings very very you know specifically, you might end up with that player in every single draft, right? And then the sort of the the, the secondary question would be like if if people were drafting just one team, do you think that or say you had to just draft one team? Do you think you might be a little bit more aggressive, or would you be still kind of playing it that way because th that ability to stack values can be so beneficial for your whole roster. Um, yeah. So I, I hear what you're saying. I don't know, you know, I'm not, I don't draft like 150 teams. Like some people do. I, you know, if I think if you're, if you're loading up on best ball teams and drafting all the time, like some people do, that makes more sense. I don't really run into that issue though. You know, like I'll have a lot of Chenault this year, but I'm not going to, you know, that might be half of my teams and that's fine with me. I'm happy to do that. Um, but I don't, you know, I don't, I, I rarely run into a situation where I have the same guy in every single redraft roster, right? You know, it's just, it just doesn't work out that way. It could be for a, a, a several reasons, including the fact that I will not reach three rounds before ADP on a player in the first 10 rounds. You know what I mean? It's just, just naturally, it's not like I have that rule that I won't go three rounds. It just doesn't work that way. If I see a guy is going, you know, in, in the eighth round and it's the fifth, I'm not going to take him, even if he's the highest guy on my board, because I know I can get him a little later. And if I, if I messed up and he goes anyway, whatever, you know, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of players out there. There's values at other positions. I'll still attack. And I'm okay with that. You know, I'm okay missing on a guy because he went two rounds before his ADP, you know, it's, it's, and I had him three rounds before I expected him to go. So a uh, very convoluted answer, I suppose, but um, I don't think about that much. I don't think about diversifying just because I'm not in enough leagues where it really makes a difference to me. And I've never run into an issue where I have a player in 80, 90% of my leagues. It just, it just hasn't happened that way. Mike, you mentioned using ADP to help you understand where players are going and making sure you're getting value. Do you use it as another, I mean, you kind of talked about if you, if you're way off, that you'll double check. And if it's someone like Michael Carter, you're like, you know, I don't want that player. Just in general for all of the players, do you think drafters should look at ADP as another big source of information? So should they be mixing their own rankings with ADP to come up with sort of a, you know, an overall board or should they be using their rankings and then just trying to find value? It's a good question. I think that there, and look, we know this, you guys are smart guys. You understand that there's, 
value in in looking at what the masses are thinking right there's a lot i mean you got to pick your spots you're not just gonna i don't think you want to crowdsource everyone in the industry but if you pick your spots and say okay here's a handful of guys that are, are people in this industry that i i trust i know they put the work in and they have good rankings that are updated regularly um and you kind of combine them together and come up with your own personal rankings to draft i'm, I'm talking of course if you're a, a casual player uh, you know, and and you look at it that way. I think that's a smart strategy, right? Because um, personally, I I I put the time into my own rankings. I like them. I think they're gonna they're gonna work out pretty well for me. But they're not gonna be perfect, right? And there are some people a lot you know a lot smarter than me in the industry who may disagree on on certain players, and and that makes me think twice. So, um, I think the answer, you know, again to your your normal maybe casual or. or you know, I, I don't want to say like super hardcore because they're going all in depth. But if you're a, a casual player or, um, you know, an average fantasy player, yeah, I would consider I would consider ADP for sure. And if your personal rankings differ a lot from that, you should you should ask why and you should dive into that. And again, if the answer is, look, I'm OK with this. Good for you. You know, you you personally found yourself a value. And if it works out and, and, and again, if you're, if you know what you're doing and you have a good process, which is extremely important over time, you're going to hit on, on more of them than you're going to miss. And, and if you do that, it's going to be a strategy that pays off for you in the long run. So, uh, yeah, I think you should definitely consider, you know, the market value on players. That's obviously important for, for working out trades as well. Um, you know, ADP market value, what other smart analysts are thinking when you're, when you're compiling your rankings. Definitely. Uh, something we, we I struggle with projection sometimes in the sense that there's certain teams that it, it feels like can be very hard to project. Right. There's like wider error bars for some teams. There's other teams where we have trends that we really feel confident in that we can rely on. I'm curious when you're on the clock, do you have preference for players that you find either harder to project or either easier to project? Or is that sort of something that you aren't necessarily going to consider sort of that? you know, that amount of uncertainty in the player's profile, does that inform your decisions when you're, when you're on the clock? Well, guys are all hard to project, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the NFL is, uh, you know, there's just so many moving parts. It's such a, a nightmare sometimes. Um, just as something as simple as, you know, think about the bills last year, right? I mean, we're like, okay, well, if there's one thing we know about the bills, it's their run first offense, low volume, you know, it's not like they're going to have a ton of pass attempts. And what do they do? They come out, they go with three and four wide sets. They throw the ball a ton. They barely use their running backs. And they just kind of throw out, uh, you know, everything we thought we knew about that scheme. So, um, you know, at some point in every offense, they, they get tricky. I would say there's very few offenses where you're like, man, I feel really, really comfortable with this whole thing across the board. Um, uh, so I guess my answer is, not really. You know, I, I don't I don't think about that too much. I put so much time into the projections year round that I feel comfortable with them, you know, to to the extent that you can. You know, there's a ceiling on how comfortable you could feel in such a high variance game. But I feel good enough that once my board set, I'm fine with it. And if there's a guy that I think is riskier than another guy, um, and especially, in you know, in the, the key rounds early on where you don't need to be throwing, you know, random darts, you know, maybe I bumped that guy down a few spots. And, and maybe that's partially a, a response to your earlier question about the difference between projections and rankings. You know, if I feel like a player is too risky, maybe I bump them down uh, a few spots. So, um, you know, I, I, I guess that's it. But when I'm on the clock, I'm generally not thinking about it that way. 
I just want to take a second to thank you for tuning in to today's show. My name is Colin Kelly, co-host of the Road of His Overtime podcast, along with the great Sean Siegel. We do appreciate each and every listener, and as a thank you to each of you, you can get yourself a 10% discount to a Road of His NFL pass. We're heading at full speed towards the season. Make sure you're ready. Get yourself access to all the content and tools up on the Road of His website. All you have to do is add the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout to get yourself that 10% discount. Now let's go and dominate the fantasy leagues in 2021 we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Mike, the listeners are excited to get some actual player recommendations here from us. I know they want to know who your clear value guys are. So do you have some high-profile players that you consider to be just straightforward, blatant values, you know, even before we start to look at things that could happen with injuries or low probability outcomes, but guys who just clearly are not valued correctly and should be on a lot of teams? Um, yeah, so I guess that kind of crosses off Barkley, right? Because uh, I know he's the injuries are kind of uh, the, the big question mark there. But I, you know, I'm I'm high on him. I've kind of stuck through it with him. I haven't really wavered much and been drafting him. But again, that's more injury based. But um, otherwise, I think the biggest value of the off season uh, from start to finish, like this guy's ADP has not moved off the eighth round, really. I mean, he's kind of floated in that range in twelve teamers all off season. That shockingly is Logan Thomas. I mean, that, I think he's been the best value in fantasy all off season long and, and I'll take him all day long. I mean, the guy was tight in three last year, gets a better quarterback. Uh, you know, the quarterbacks, if you look at, he, he had uh, a top 10 fantasy week with four different quarterbacks last year. None of those guys are starters this season. You know, <laughs> he, now he's going to go to Ryan Fitzpatrick who, you know, I mean, he, you know, he's gonna he's gonna push the ball downfield. It might be a little wild, but we love him in fantasy because he'll he'll play that YOLO ball and throw the ball down the field. So I'm excited for Logan Thomas. I think he'll, you know, very much like Darren Waller last year when everyone was scared off of him because they added Henry Ruggs and you know Nelson Aguilar and such, Brian Edwards. You know, they thought, okay, his targets are gonna fall down. He's gonna come back to earth. Sure enough, he takes another leap forward. I could totally see that uh, with Logan Thomas. So um, he stands out. A couple other guys. 
you know, I would say Miles Sanders. You know, I've been scooping him up. Now he's fallen to the fourth round. You know, his uh, his player props actually in the industry are falling as well. Uh, you know, people are jumping off that bandwagon fast. So uh, still on Miles Sanders, I think he'll be super busy in that Eagles backfield. They just don't really have serious competition for a player of his caliber. Uh, Chase Edmonds, uh, another guy, you know, uh, he jumps out in my rankings. You know, he's fallen into that sixth round area. I know he's not going to get goal line work, but he'll be, you know, he'll be so busy in the passing game and get enough run as a rusher to pay off. So I'm kind of liking him as of late. Cortland Sutton's another one. Just believe in the talent. Loved loved him two years ago when he broke out. Loved him last year when he had the injury. Um, standing by him for sure, even though I do like Jerry Judy as well as a top 30 play. And uh, the other one, Chenault, who I just mentioned, right? You know, again, mid-round pick. Just, again, buying in on the, the skill, the athleticism, and the opportunity. I mean, this guy, what, he's like wide receiver 40 right now, and he finished 46 last year. And he was a part-time player who missed three games for most of the season. Uh, finished up really strong, big target shares, four touchdowns in his last five games. Uh, I think, you know, that's, he, he's just getting started in this league, and, and I'm trying to get him wherever I can. Well, we have him pretty much everywhere, and it's also great to hear some Logan Thomas. I think I selected him two or three rounds ahead of ADP in the Scott Fishbowl, so definitely won't get yeah. any debate on that. Oh, yeah. yeah those, I, I, those are all great names, but those are the two that stick out to me, too, that Logan Thomas and Chenault are guys that frequent listeners of our show know that, that we like this year. Do you have any guys in the double-digit rounds that are, that are sort of the same concept? Clear values shouldn't be going that late. They're not necessarily like sleepers or long shots, but they're, they're, they're just values where they're going. Yeah, um, you know, and it's funny. I've seen a lot of these names pop up on, you know, social and stuff lately. People are talking about these names, so I'm not going to blow any doors off here with, with shocking names. But uh, uh, Marvin Jones, uh, you know, potentially he could be the number one in Jacksonville. I think, you know, it's funny. I was, I was a huge DJ Chark a guy, his second year, you know, just free. He was free in drafts, loved him. It was a no brainer late round flyer. Um, and still I had Chenault ahead of him all off season. And now, uh, you know, I think Chark and Jones are probably pretty close too. but so Jones is going super late. Um, Cole Beasley, you know, with uh, his, the comments he made about COVID, it kind of hurt his fantasy stock. You know, people don't really want to draft him. Um, so he's kind of fallen a few rounds and, and remember he was top 30 last year in PPR. He still has value in that, that high volume, Passing game in Buffalo, Jacoby Myers, same kind of thing. Huge target share in the second half. Had some bad touchdown luck there for sure, especially if Mac Jones is the quarterback. He has a chance to uh, put some big numbers together. Um, a guy that really stands out right now at wide receiver is Tyrell Williams, who it looks like he's pretty clearly the number one receiver for Detroit. Uh, and, and look, I know that team may struggle, but they're going to have to throw it a lot. And Jared Goff can support a at least one fantasy-relevant wide receiver along with TJ Hawkinson. So Tyrell Williams, again, just free. You know, he's free right now. Uh, so take a shot on him. A couple tight ends. Jonu Smith uh, should probably be going higher. A lot of hype developing there. It looks like he's going to be a, a huge part of that offense. Austin Hooper, too. You know, um, you know, uh, Cleve, I don't I don't think many realize this, and, and perhaps I didn't to the extent I should have until recently when I dove into it a little more, but the Browns were a very run first offense in the first half of last season. And then they had them bad weather games in the middle of the year. And then they were pass heavy the rest of the season. And I'm curious to see if that crosses over to this season. If it does, I mean, look out with this Browns offense. They could really put up some numbers. They have a ton of talent, a great offensive line. And Austin Hooper could easily jump up into the top 10 and be a, a weekly tight end one. We've seen that from him before in Atlanta. So uh, again, He's going in like the 15th, 16th rounds, 
and could potentially be a tight end one. So but that's just a few names. I mean, you know, I could say like Tua, Paris Campbell, you know, Tua I like a lot as a, as a late flyer for, or, you know, 13th, 14th round if you want to take an upside flyer on a quarterback. Paris Campbell right now running with the second team making me a little nervous, but I, again, I believe in that talent. I liked what I saw from him in week one before his injury last season. So uh, that's going a little deeper, but um, you know, just, just a few names I'm keeping an eye on right now. And guys, this could change next week. You know, ADP is always flying around. It's, it's values always change, but they're the guys on the list right now. Well, Mike, speaking of going deeper, we're about to do a draft with you next week. That is one of our absolute favorites. So you run the going deep draft, explain it a little bit for the listeners, sort of uh, what it is and why fantasy players should consider uh, deep formats like this. Yeah, if you want to get a double take from someone, tell them the uh, starting lineup requirements for going deep, right? Because every time I tell people it's six six wide receivers, three running backs, two tight ends, and a quarterback and a super flex, I get that double take like, what? Like, are you crazy? Well, how can you possibly start that many players and, and you know, enjoy it? But uh, like you said, we, we love it. I mean, almost everyone from the original league still in there. And uh, people tell me all the time it's their favorite league. Uh, we have a couple other, uh, you know, a B and C league as well, which which they uh, everyone seems to enjoy a lot as well. So the idea when I created this years ago was, you know, it's it's just the you know teams are throwing more than ever. There's more three and four wide personnel. You know, there's just more fantasy relevant players. And look, you can you could say, oh man, I like Russell Gage as a late sleeper. You know, uh, he should just you know he should have such a high floor, and he's going to see a lot of targets. This is last season. I'm actually reversing the last season. Um, but, you know, in in just a normal sized league, you know, you're like, is he even like a flex guy? The ceiling's so low. I don't know. You know, maybe I'll just throw a lottery ticket at someone else. But in this league, you're like, man, this is great. Wide receiver four. I'm going to start him every week. You know, it's, it's exciting for those that are really into fantasy and know a lot of players and, and can go deep. Also, it reduces variance. You know, the more players you hit on, the better off your team is going to be. It's going to show up. It's not going to be these small starting lineups with two running backs, two receivers, a, a you know a tight end, maybe a flex, a defense kicker, uh, two high variant spots, you know, and then um, you know you just hit a home run and a couple draft picks, and you know you're just coast to the championship. I, that's no fun for me. You know, I like deeper, more spots the better. It takes more talent to win in those sort of formats. So I uh, really like. Uh, going all in with with the depth and the scoring's pretty standard. It's tweaked a little bit to try to level out the positions. Nothing uh, too insane there. But we also do all play as well. So you play against everyone every single week, which again reduces variance. That's the goal. We should always be trying uh, to figure out ways to do that and mean you know make talent and ability in fantasy matter uh, more more than than you know it does in a normal size league. Which I guess explains why you guys always do so well in that. <laughs> in that league because you guys know what you're doing so uh i'll have to you know i have to check the all-time records i have to see yeah i i do okay in that too um i think jared smola does really well we'll have to check the all-time records and see where we all fall yeah yeah i mean that that, i I add me um, to the list of people that this is my absolute favorite league i mean it's incredible like it's you know, a, a free league, a fun league we do, but it, I care about it a lot. It's it's just such a fun league to get into those deep players. And like you said, you're starting these guys, you know, you're starting six receivers, you're starting guys in, in other leagues, you're questioning whether you can even roster them necessarily. Um, it's a it's a way different way of playing. And I love the way that you describe that in terms of it, it, it has like hitting on one huge player has less of an impact. So like when 
Christian McCaffrey goes out and, and destroys everything this year, the one-on-one in your league isn't guaranteed to win. They still have to be able to win in a lot of these other these other roster spots. There's going to be so many leagues, you know, if that were to happen, that are going to just basically be decided on who who had the one-on-one pick. I mean, that's certainly happened in, in some of these seasons because they're so shallow and that one player can have such an impact. When you're in a really deep league like this, and, you know, you might not want to share too much of your strategy because we are drafting next week, but when you're in a really deep like this league like this, are you more or less aggressive? Is it still a matter of following your board? Like, how do your tactics change when you have to fill so many positions? Yeah. So, um, first of all, I'll uh, reveal some of my strategy if you guys do the same. So, <laughs> you know, I want I want some tips here too. Uh, I was actually just looking. I'm looking at our league championships over the past five years. I've won it twice. You guys have won it twice, and Greg Smith won the other time. So, uh, yeah, I guess we've we've had a, a good handle on on the format here the past few seasons, but um. Uh, yeah, so I, you know, I, I, th- I think about, um, you know, where the drop off, it drop off is, uh, you know, at, at positions a little more, you know, I don't want to get in a situation where I'm just in a horrific situation at, at certain positions. So, uh, quarterback, obviously that comes to mind. It's super flex. I mean, any, any super flex league, your quarterbacks are going to go much earlier. Um, ideally I would do want to find a, a star quarterback, but I'm okay. Just having a, you know, a high floor number two, if that's what works out, you know, I don't want to reach too far on that second guy. I'm not going to start QB QB usually, unless uh, something really jumps off the board. Um, but you know, the best advice in super flex is uh, just monitor the draft. You know, you always monitor the draft, see how it's going. Um, but I think that's especially the case in super flexes. You don't want to get, you want to try to start a run. You don't want to necessarily, uh, be the last guy and end up with a with a really poor situation. Um, you know, same kind of thing at tight end. You know, I don't want to come out of there starting Jordan Akins as my tight end too. I think last year I actually had that problem where uh, I actually there was a tight end run and I get stuck with a bad tight end two situation. Uh, I'm also aware of wide receiver depth. You know, like like I, we were just talking about with a guy like Russell Gage. You know, we go 72 deep at wide receiver and still it's hard to come out of that draft with like oh my five and six receivers are awful. Like there's so much depth. I mean, you get into the seventies, we're still talking Randall Cobb and Rondale Moore and Terrace Marshall and Jamison Crowder and and Russell Gage and Emmanuel Sanders, Gabriel Davis. There's still names like that. Right. So um, I don't want to be, I don't want to have six of those guys starting, but at the same time uh, I'm, I understand that I could fill those spots and still have guys with decent floors available to me. So uh, that's something I, I try to keep in mind as well. Well, Mike, you had mentioned us sharing some of our tactics, and we talked about uh, this just a tad bit, kind of teasing the show a couple of times. But uh, when we had Scott Fish on RotoBiz Overtime recently and talking about the fishbowl, he mentioned that one of the things that he doesn't necessarily do is have the two tight ends that you have to play, because in his research, two tight end leagues are very favorable for uh, the elite tight ends. And that was one of the things that Ben and I did last year, where I think that we started. QB tight end, QB tight end, or maybe QB tight end, tight end, QB. And having the multiple elite tight ends was very favorable for how uh, the season went. So it'll be exciting to see kind of how the draft develops. And if people are chasing those star tight ends, we've seen the, uh, the mega impact players at that position really rise up the draft boards, especially in tight end premium leagues this year. Maybe that's a good question to kind of uh, take you out with today. What are your thoughts on the tight end position? What tactics should fantasy players be using uh, when we know that the tight ends, and even just obviously in single tight end formats, 
they have a, a huge impact when you're talking about the number of points that Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller score. And yet at the same time, uh, you're now giving up a player in that first round that also changes your team in a way that, uh, you know, the cost this year is so significant. Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, where Kelsey's going, I'm, I love, you know, I haven't projected for about 60 more points in any other tight end. And I know that might seem aggressive. Perhaps I'm projecting him too close to his peak. That's fine. I mean, when you want to knock 30 points off, he still has a huge edge off, off the field. Um, and we saw that last year. I mean, think about this. If you were starting an average tight end one, let's say tight end six and seven, if you totaled tight end six and seven last year, Gronk and Gesicki, they had fewer points than Travis Kelsey. So to your point, he just had such a tremendous edge over everyone else. And again, in this offense, and it's still in his prime, I think he can carry that over for at least another year here. So um, I do like Kelsey. Uh, I do think he values out as a top five player. And I'll be completely honest. You know, I, I hear a lot of people saying, okay, so CMC's number one and Dalvin Cook generally number two. And then I really like that top five. You know, you get into Kamara and Henry and Elliott. Uh, and you, honestly, I'd throw Barkley in there as well. I don't feel great about those guys, to be completely honest. I, I don't love that tier right now. I, I get it. You know, if they're the best value on the board, I'll take them. Um, but, you know, I think there's a lot of question marks across the board. That's a total, you know, another topic. But I'm okay getting Kelsey. And, and you know, you, you were just mentioning about passing on those guys. I'm okay with it because of the floor and the ceiling that Kelsey brings to you. And then come back and get a, maybe a younger running back who I still like uh, in, in the second round. If, of course, if I want to go the running back direction. Um, which you guys would never do, but you know, if you want to go that way, I'm I'm still okay going Kelsey running back and maybe even running back in the third. Again, a lot of people like getting those running backs. I'm totally fine with that strategy. The only drawback to it is, you know, a guy like Logan Thomas, who I mentioned before, I love, you know, he's such a value in the eighth round, but the nice thing about that is you can fill out your whole starting lineup and still you could take Thomas as a second tight end. And if he ends up playing top five, top three ball, you can either trade him or, or have another flex option. So uh, a lot of ways to look at it. Um, again, I'm as I talk as we talked about toward the beginning of the show. I just you know I'm going with the flow. I'm seeing how things are are maneuvering, and if one position is going heavier than the other, uh, you know I'm I'm adjusting to that on the fly, and I'm always seeing how I can kind of redesigning my draft after every pick, and and sometimes you have to do that with the tight end position as well. But uh, you know I guess the the simple answer is that you know. Uh, I'm I'm in on guys like Kelsey and Waller for sure. Kelsey especially, but Waller I think toward the mid to late stages around too, uh, still a, a tremendous value as well. Definitely, Mike. Is there any? Uh, I mean, we're right here on the on the cusp of the season, and and we know we where we can get your projections. We know we can get them right there in the ESPN draft room. Is there any you know big projects you're working on here in the last couple of of weeks before the season, or or maybe somewhere you can tell people that they can find you uh, what, what you'll be doing in season during the week. Yeah, sure. We're still uh, nailing down the plan. It always comes right down to the wire, but uh, you know, the fantasy focus podcast, you know, I'll be doing fantasy football now Sunday mornings, talking receiver, cornerback DFS, probably a little bit of projections on there as well on Sunday mornings. Um, you know, daily wager. Did I mention that uh, all the, all the different shows, uh, all my content will be at ESPN.com ESPN plus. Uh, we have a lot of, uh, we're working on some new ideas. I'm really excited about some of the things we're going to put up and, and always trying to find ways to utilize the projections and, and information and, and create resources for those out there to, you know, to, even if you're a, you know, you're probably somewhat of an advanced player if you're listening to this show, but you know, even if you're not and you're still learning, you know, we're trying to make it as easy for, for everyone to process and, and utilize to make their fantasy teams better. So, uh, 
it's gonna be a lot of fun and i'm looking forward to it awesome well mike thanks so much for coming on the show uh as as we mentioned in the beginning you're the perfect person uh, to sort of wrap up our value segment and yeah we're excited going deep the if one of our two teams and the other 10 participants in the league are obviously fantastic but if you or us could come through with a going deep title this year uh, that, that team would really have bragging rights so it, it's going to be an intense one here when we draft in a week or so yeah i can't wait guys um look at i think this is the most anticipated draft in this league for a while i, I saw a lot of people at canton ohio last weekend and it was brought up uh without me mentioning it several times by different people so uh you know, people that are in in the B and C leagues were out there, and and of course in our A league as well. So looking forward to it as always. It's gonna be a lot of fun, and uh, we'll see how it goes. I'm gonna try to maybe I'll use your strategy against you. I'll try to we'll see where we draft, <laughs> try to snipe you or something. We'll, we'll have to see. Well, Mike Clay was awesome as anticipated. Make sure you check out the first two episodes of our value series where we talk about value in general, a lot of different ways to get it. And then some of the value players that we're targeting, you can uh, put that list together with the guys that Mike gave and draft off of that. And you know, you'll be ahead of your league mates this season. That'll do it for today's episode of Stealing Bananas. I'm Sean Siegel and with me is Ben Gretsch, whom you can follow at Yards Per Gretsch. Make sure to check out and definitely subscribe to his newsletter stealing signals it's had a ton of releases over the past week more than an article a day you don't want to miss those Robiviz cranking along and we've just you don't want to miss those we've also been having a blast at Rotoviz over the last week tons of new articles released a new tool the advanced stats explorer from dave cabin will give you a lot of the advanced metrics that you want and it makes the, the Rotoviz subscription really the perfect product for the season. You get a 10% discount with the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. We appreciate all the feedback we've been getting on the show. If you can leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast app, that will continue to help us grow the product. Make sure you subscribe to our feed to get more episodes as they release. We'll have some more very shortly. And until we talk to you again, keep drafting. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.